you guys can be seated. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Chris. Let me just lead us in our prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for holding off the rain just for a few more minutes today. We won't take it personally, God, if you pour down the rain when we exit services. Uh, but above all else, this message today related to our families and friends, I just ask that your spirit would allow uh, your word to really find a safe place in our hearts to take a step towards someone with whom we've been estranged, we've been separated, we have maybe some conflict unresolved. Help us take a step today toward some reconciliation. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the question we're going to answer if you're visiting. My name's Scott. I am the pastor at Adventure, and today we are going to answer this question. If we had or have a relationship with someone in our immediate or extended family that is estranged, that's not clicking well, that, is, that has issues, how do we take a step in the direction of mending the relationship? <laughs> and some of you might be here and saying, hey, I'm not interested. <laughs> Here's the deal. Isn't in our 20s and 30s, late teens, 20s and 30s, it's really easy to have what I call an I don't care attitude. You know, in your late teens, you have a problem with a family member, you move on, right? You, you just say, hey, you know what? <laughs> That's their problem. <laughs> I've moved on. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm moving on. And when we talk about family, and we talk about the specific roles of family members, when we say father, when we say mother, when we say brother, sister, aunt, uncle, niece, nephew, grandpa, grandma. Those are not emotionally neutral roles. We have those, well, when I say father, for some of you, it, it, it's not an emotionally neutral role. You hear that and you're like, Ugh, or mother, or brother or sister. And in our heart of hearts, we want sometimes to be able to Walk away, not care, <laughs> move on. The problem is this. The problem is if, you're, if you've fallen into that cycle of saying, hey, I've moved on, I don't care anymore. The problem is that in your 40s, your 20s and 30s, you can say that. But in your 40s, and I know very few can, of you can relate to that yet. But in your 40s, about 45 all those I don't care, we've moved on decisions, they start to surface. And you wonder what's going on with me, especially this time of year. What's wrong? Why am I feeling this way? And it's easy. You blame the dog or you blame the cat, which is understandable, especially with the cat. Or you blame the... Sorry, that went very nice. I should have done that. Some of you have written the message off already. Forgive me. Will you forgive me? You have to. Reconcile with me. Okay. You, 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 yeah, you, you start having these issues that surface because of important people that you've said we've moved on from in your 40s, and you start, uh, in your 40s, it starts to surface, and you're wondering, why am I frustrated? You, you maybe are having more conflict in your marriage, more conflict with your husband. You're like, it's him, it's him, it's him. <laughs> it's you, it's you, it's you. Uh, and what's happening is that you're realizing that 
your decision in the past to just move on, your decision in the past to just forget about them, doesn't work with the way you're wired. Here's why. You weren't created to not care anymore. You weren't created to say, I've just moved on. Your unique design is that you were created to care. You were created to care. And so this idea of moving on doesn't resonate, not just with your personality, it doesn't resonate with who you are by, by your own nature. You were created to care. And so this morning, we're going to look at what it would look like if somehow you were to experience some peace, some reconciliation, like a, like a compatibility, like a, a, a key that is being designed and trimmed to fit into a lock it shouldn't fit into. What if in some of your relationships with whom you're a little estranged, where it's, there's awkwardness, where if you saw him at a reunion, it'd be like, <laughs> what would happen if somehow this morning we could take the anger, the bitterness, the, the you out of it, and you were able to chill this fall as it relates to your relationships. You actually were able to laugh at yourself a little bit. You were able to handle it. Now listen, as we go forward, I'm not talking about reconciling with dangerous relationships, okay? Uh, I'm not talking about you going on Facebook and trying to reconnect with your sixth grade boyfriend or girlfriend, okay? I'm not talking about inappropriate, unnecessary, walk-away relationships, okay? There's, you, there's stuff you just say no to, all right? Okay? I'm not talking about being overly anxious about trying to get everything right with everybody. You know, uh, if you offended a construction worker last weekend because you were impatient for the work he was doing around your house, hey, don't do it this week, okay? <laughs> I'm, not talking, I'm talking about maybe one person today, maybe one person. That you've said, I don't care about anymore. You're I don't care person. We'll see who that is. So why would we even consider this as an option? If you, let's hear from God this morning. If you brought a smartphone, Google, Google 2nd Core 5, 2nd Corinthians 5, 2nd Core 5. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Uh, they could be called in the first century the Californians. They were, it was written to us Californians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, who is Jesus' most prolific writer and his prolific entrepreneur in the first century, Paul says this. First few words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says this. For the love of Christ compels us. If you're ready to nod off and finish your donut and go to sleep and be done with today's message, here's what you got to walk away from. The reason why saying, I don't care anymore, or I've moved on, or I'm done with him or her, and I don't care to ever talk about him again, or talk to them again. The reason that is harmful and self-inflicting is because of what Paul says in verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. Say it with me. For the love of Christ compels us. Or it's, you've maybe heard it a different way. For the love of Christ constrains us, however you've heard it. And so this morning, we're going to walk through this and see what maybe the Holy Spirit has to say to us about our friends and or our family. 
You know, the truth is this can be even more difficult for fathers and daughters, for fathers and sons. For some reason, a lot of our conflict is with dads. Sorry, dads, to put that on you. There's just something about what a dad does that can be very, very weighty and uh, can create challenge. Having these relationships mended can mean the world. Uh, Let's look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us. And this is what Paul says. For or because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore, all died. Okay, that's a little abstract. You, that don't, don't be uh, turned off if you can't wrap your head around that. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And this is how Paul kind of adds to that. He footnotes it. And he, that is Jesus, died for all, that those who, who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So Paul begins by saying, hey, it's Christ's love that compels us. Uh, It's the love of Christ that leaves us no options with people because we're convinced that Jesus, he left what was his own interest. He set aside his own best interest for his father and for his friends like us to serve us. And if we're going to be Christ followers, that means we do likewise. We set aside our own self-interest, our own best interest, sometimes our own comfort, to follow and do what we sense the Spirit is asking us to do for God. And we do so joyfully. Uh, The reason we say no to me and yes to God is because Christ died for us. Christ reconciled us to God. Therefore, out of gratitude to God, We say yes, especially when we're pushed up against a wall and we're being asked by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, also called the Holy Spirit that lives in us, when we have made that decision to trust in Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross for our sins. That's the step, that's the line of faith maybe one of you will make today. When we make that decision, all of a sudden... Our will is not as important as what the Spirit's will is in our lives. Therefore, we say yes uh, out of gratitude to what Christ asks us to do. And then skip on down to verse 18, where our author says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. All this is from God. In other words, God has done everything to make our relationship with him compatible. He has removed all of the obstacles between man and God. All man has to do is respond. Uh, God has removed any obstacle between he and mankind by allowing his son Jesus to suffer on the cross. There's no reason anyone cannot be reconciled to God unless he or she determines they don't want to be reconciled to God. (laughs) Everything that Christ did on the cross defines Christianity as a faith that's already been done. It's not about what I do that makes me right with God. It's what Christ has already gotten done. (laughs) It's not a new list. (laughs) It's what Christ has done on the cross that opens this relationship to me. This relationship with peace and joy 
and Christ in me that gives me hope every day to keep going forward with joy. Christ, God, has set the table. He's opened the door. He sent the invitation to everyone. The only reason a person would not reconcile to God is because of what's going on in them. They don't want a relationship with him. So here's the deal. Just as God was the innocent party who was offended, whom we ridiculed, whom we offended, whom we disobeyed, he had the authority to say, I'm going to move on. I don't want to have a relationship with you. I'm done. But instead he chose to pursue us. When you became a Christian, you came to God with bad habits, right? When you became a Christian, you received Jesus Christ maybe for the first time, for whatever reason, wherever you were at in your life. But if you're anything like me, you had no idea what a sinner you were. I had no idea when I received Jesus as a 13-year-old how much more sinning I had in my future. I had no idea what a mess I was, how vulnerable I was. No idea. Some of you are like, you're a pastor. What's your problem? I'm still a sinner. That's my problem. I had no idea that after receiving Christ and just being filled, I was so excited about Jesus. I had no idea that I'd be still so temptable, so easily ramroded or derailed, uh, ramrodded, I should have said. You know what it's like? It's like I, I was following Christ, and all of a sudden, gee, I'm a different person. Ooh, and I'm, things are going great, and I'm following Christ, and gee, I'm off another direction. What's crazy is that God's God, when God reconciled with me, he knew that was coming. He knew it. He knew that in spite of my behaviors in the future, he was still going to love me and help me grow and help me get better and help me experience the life that Jesus wanted me to have, the abundant life. He knew that. And so God, is, God set the table for us. He opened the door, and he sent the invite us to himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the, the proclamation uh, authority to tell people you can be reconciled to God. You can be reconciled to God. You can be reconciled to God. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done. You can be reconciled to God. It's not about your performance. It's about, it's about Christ's performance. You can be reconciled to God. You can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done. You can be reconciled to God. It's in spite of our sins. <laughs> It's in spite of our sins that we can have a relationship with God. And uh, then he says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins against them. God wasn't counting people's sins against them when he wanted to have and pursue a relationship with them. He wasn't counting. He wasn't like, you did this, you did that. Oh, I know you're going to do that. And that freshman college year, we're going to try to overlook that, but we can't. He's not, he didn't count. That, he's not counting, okay? That's what reconciliation looks like. He didn't count our sins against us. He counted them all as having been allocated to Christ, expunged by the crucifixion of Christ. How many of you are like, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, right? It's great news, right? It is. Oh, it's great news. Oh, my word, is it good news. Jeez, I still struggle all the time. Okay. So this picture of reconciliation we have 
is, in spite of our sins, God loves us. Oh, it's great. Love this. That God was reconciling the world in spite of, in spite of, not counting our sins against us. But we've got people that we've moved on from. We've got people that we don't care about people. We've got those I don't care about anymore, or uh, we had to move on. We've got people in our lives that are uh, not going to talk about them anymore. Don't, we've, we've given up hope on them. Well, the reason we would do that is because, hey, hey, you can be reconciled to God. I'm not saying that, but you can get right with God. I'm not saying that that can happen to you. But as far as having a relationship with me, hey, I've got standards. I've got, I've got standards. The reason I want to write you off is it's not in spite of. It's because of I'm counting. The reason I would write you off is because or not invite, accept your invitation to dinner, or not respond to your beautiful letter that you spent too much time on. The reason I won't respond to your phone call or call back, it's because of. Oh, you can have a relationship with God. He loves you. But you want to have a relationship with me? Uh, there's a lot of becauses between the two of us, the three of us. How many of you are like, bad Sunday to come? <laughs> it's going to get better. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And then, here's where the rubber meets the road. This is where there's super traction opportunity. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Our lives as Christ followers is to be, are to be lives that reflect God's reconciliation to mankind. And then he caps off this whole section to these Californians by saying, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And ambassadors are representative. They represent. Now, if you're not a Christian... Today's message actually may talk you out of ever wanting to become a Christian. You might decide today, I have decided never to follow Jesus. Because part of being a Christian means you're an ambassador of the very generous grace he's shown you throughout your whole life to others. So if you're not a Christian, today may be tough. It may actually, however, give you some application in your own relationships. If the love of Christ compels a Christian, this means we have no other option but to offer reconciliation to the people we do not like because we're ambassadors of our Savior. And we have to be honest. This is, this is honest to God. Sometimes how we just subconsciously communicate our willingness to forgive and, 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 and develop relationships. This is what we do. Hey, God loves you. Hey, God loves you in spite of your shortcomings. He loves you. <laughs> oh, but you want to have a relationship with me? Hey, I've got standards. Yeah, there's, there's God's standards, and then there's my standards. 
my standards are higher than God's. Yeah, I know God will forgive. He loves you in spite of. But you want me to love you like that? Dude, I mean, God's got standards, but mine, oh, have you not seen them? They're really high. Yeah, I'm waiting. God, this is all melodrama here, please. <laughs> I don't have, no. Do you see what happens? We're willing to be recipients of that kind of generosity on the cross. But when it comes to giving it to others, uh, what are you talking about? It's a totally different thing. In other words, I have standards that are higher than God's. Honey, go ahead and be reconciled to God in spite of what you've done. Because, um, But I'm not willing to be reconciled to you because of what you've done. Now, I know some of us could share stories right now of how you've been wronged, about how you've been hurt, and how you justifiably are very angry. Some of you could share some stories today right now where I'd be like, oh, man, I agree. Forget this Bible. I hate them, too. Let's write, I'll write the letter for you. What's their address? Yeah. Oh, you want to have them arrested? Let's do this. Yeah. I've got friends. We'll do this. You've got great stories. And let me be very clear. I'm not talking about reconciling with someone that is dangerous, that is unsafe for you emotionally or physically. I'm not, I think you need to have good boundaries around your life, okay? But sometimes we have boundaries that we set up and try to self-justify. And I'll talk about those in a moment. I asked my wife about reconciliation. I said, hey, tell me, Melissa, and I, 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 who is it that I've reconciled with in my life that's meant the most to me? And I had already committed I would share it on Sunday, so I was a little nervous who she was going to say. But she said it was my stepdad. And uh, it, I, I was raised uh, by my stepdad in Southern California, uh, he was the guy that took me to Dodger games. He was the guy that was at all my baseball games. Meant a lot to me. And then when my parents separated, we were just, we never talked. It was done. Relationship was over. And we lived a long ways from each other, one to two miles. And it just was, as a teenager, those are tough things to deal with. You know, you don't understand. You don't, there's stuff you don't get about life, right? So I did what most students would do in their late teens, their early freshman, sophomore year of college. Hey, I've moved on, right? I'm good. I'm moving on. I'm good with that, right? And then as you get older, in your 20s, you start to think, really, do I just want to just forget him? He was special to me. <laughs> there were some great times. There were some hard times, too. But there were some great times there. And so what happened was we were, I'll never forget it. I would go see him, and I would not know how to interact with him. Like, hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Oh, jeez, I'm out of words. What do we say? Uh, didn't, do I shake his hand? Do I hug him? He's not really a hugger. And I'm a hugger, which would freak anybody out. And so I'm like, hey, good to see it. Anyways, our relationship just started. We started talking again. And I'll never forget, I was doing a youth trip to Ensenada with Adventure of Roseville. And we were... We were coming back from Ensenada, and I wanted to give the students a great experience on the beach. And my dad lived in a condo really close to the beach. And I just said, hey, can we stay with you? He's like, sure. So we stayed with him, and early that morning, early that morning, he goes, we're just sitting there. And he goes, hey, I want to apologize for not being a better dad to you. And I'm just like, and he says, I want to start over again. 
And I'm like, really? He's being more Christ-like than I am. And that's how it started. And I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say this. When I'm around him, he's one of the top 10 people I like being around. It's just, I don't know how to explain it. I just love it, the fact that we grew up together. It's just a great relationship. I'm so grateful for it, seriously. Uh, I share that with you because when you say, hey, I just want to move on, you miss out on these kind of epic, life-changing reconciliation moments. And I just want you today to leave the door open for something special that could happen even this fall. That's what I want. We say we want to move on sometimes. I was thinking, my, my, wife, uh, my wife's mom was a caterer, southern caterer. And I'll never forget the time when in the kitchen, my wife's mother just said to her, Hey, Melissa, you are a fantastic cook. You, you're, you got the cooking gene in the family. What if my wife had an estranged relationship with her mother? She would have never heard that, ever. Uh, I remember one time at the Benvenuti Performing Arts Center, my former boss, whom I respect a ton, just took me aside, and he said, hey, you need to know, a lot of guys have, have done what you've done, and they didn't, they haven't done what you've done. What you've done here is a big deal. When he said that, I just turned into a little kid. I'm like, geez, I got to share a message here. Stop it. You might not have gotten that. But when you, when you move on from people, you miss out on these incredible moments that can give you so much peace and joy and change your whole relational uh, confidence level, your whole relational network. It's, it's just, I don't want you to miss out on it. I went to a 50th wedding anniversary two Saturdays ago. This is a family that helped start Adventure. We held it at the Spaghetti Factory in Roseville. There were like 75 people there. And my wife was out of town, so I got to go all alone, every husband's dream. And I got there, and I was like, geez, I don't know very many people here. And I got to sit right next to the groom. I'm like, why do I get that kind of blessing? It was so much fun to just do life with them. It's so important to keep relationships going, keeping them stoked. You're going to have a lot of pushback on why not to pursue a relationship. Here's some that I think a film kind of revealed that you might like. Did we get old or what? So you're here to tell me all the things I did wrong? No, you know all the things you did wrong. I came here to ask you something. I know I could have handled things differently. I don't want to talk about it. You know, your mother didn't make it any easier. Don't. Don't say another word about her. We were so young when you were born. And now you're not. And neither am I. And we had our whole lives to figure it out. I'm just trying to say I'm sorry. Well, just say it then. I'm sorry. Now what? I don't know. You were the one with the question. I guess I just couldn't believe you didn't want to see your old man again. Your mother wouldn't take my call. She ripped up all my cards and letters to you, but 
You know, I figured when you got older, not that it was on you. No, no. No, I did that. And I know I lost all my privileges when I left. You know, when you were a baby, she used to hold you so tight sometimes I thought you couldn't breathe. Um, maybe that was just me. I really am sorry. It doesn't matter anymore. We're in the same place now. Well, I know I wasn't there for you back then. It's not too late. Love that. It's not too late. If you need a tissue, just reach out and grab your neighbor's shirt and rub it, and you'll become friends, guarantee you. So here's, so you've heard this, this idea of Christ's love compelling us. For the love of Christ compels us, that we become ambassadors for God, for reconciliation. Why would you say, not me? Not going to happen. <laughs> here's a few reasons. One, you'd say, there's way too many elephants in the room, way too many loose ends. I can't reconcile with this person you have no idea what's happened. Here's the deal. Remember, reconciliation is not trying to tie up loose ends. It's not trying to identify the elephants. It's not trying to fix things. It's, it's, not, it's all in spite of. Remember? It's, it's in spite of. It's, yeah, I acknowledge that. I still want a relationship with you. It's in spite of. Some of you might be saying, uh, not going to pursue reconciliation for this reason. If I reconcile with them, I might be condoning their behavior. I might be condoning their behavior. Do you know who was accused of condoning people's behavior more than anyone else? Jesus. He was a friend of sinners, gluttons, and drunkards. So if you're taking a step, a baby step towards Giving somebody else the generous grace that your heavenly Father has given you, and you're being accused of condoning their behavior, you're in good company. Jesus was accused of the same. Okay. The third reason you might not want to do it is you might say it's not going to work. It's not going to affect anything. It won't move the needle at all. Here's the deal. When God sent his son to suffer on the cross for our sins in the first century, did it work for everyone? No. God sent his son to suffer for for who? For just us or for everybody? For everybody, knowing that it might not work. It might not work. And so you might say, hey, I don't want to take a step towards reconciliation. It might not work. Let me tell you, it's not our job to decide whether or not it works. It's our job to take the first step. And when you do, it will be the epicenter of what's going on in your life. I've been doing this for about three weeks. I try to start these messages early. And so when I, when I was writing this, when I was listening to this message and transcribing it, I was like, oh my word, I have a person. <laughs> One person came to mind. And I reached out to him and oh my word, it felt so much better. If you decide to reconcile, it will be the epicenter of your life. And 
you might be here right now saying, hey, this doesn't relate to me. And yet, you know, the person sitting next to you has been telling you, hey, you need to call your sister. You need to call your brother. You need to reach out to your mom. You need to reach out to your dad. And you've been getting all mad. Quit talking to me about that. It's my family. And you're asked, why are you so mad? And you're like, I don't know. But quit talking to me about it. Here's why. You were created to care. You were not created to say, I've just moved on. They don't matter to me anymore. I've moved on. So today's question, here it is. Who's your I don't care person? Who's your I don't care person? Who have you said, I don't care? And would you be willing to take a baby step? Would you be willing to take a baby step to offer to this person the same generous love that your Heavenly Father has shown you? You're not doing it for your sake. You're not doing it for their sake. You're doing it because the love of Christ compels us. And if you're a Christ follower, you're motivated by the love of Christ. I know, you're, we're, I know we all are smart enough to know what our first step should be. The problem, the problem is taking our first step. We know what it should be. The problem is taking it. So today's going to be unique. We've never done this before at Adventure. And we did it in the first service, and the response was overwhelming. No kidding. Overwhelming. Shocker. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask that any of you who have an I don't care person in your life, that I believe the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus inside of you have said, that's the person. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to do something that's bold. I'm going to ask you to stand up from where you're seated. If you don't have specifically an I don't care person in your life. And uh, I know some of you are thinking, I, don't, I cannot believe we're talking about this. This is what we were talking about last night, and I'm never coming here again, and that's okay. But I don't want you to leave without taking a step. Some of you might ask, why are you asking us to stand? That's kind of silly. You're trying to manipulate us? No. Here's the deal. As soon as I dismiss services, you're going to get donuts, After today's message, maybe a whole box you'll walk out with. You're going to go refill your coffee. You're going to go. You're going to go get back to that that uh, radio station you were listening to. You're going to play that old sad music, especially on a day like today. Oh my word, what a great day to be sad! Uh, You're gonna you're gonna beeline to your favorite restaurant where you get as much food for as least amount of price. That's the Shell station, by the way. Uh, you're, you're going to go and you're going to forget, you're going to go back on Facebook and be distracted by all those pics, those posts. Uh, you're going to, all those, um, the, all that anger, all those emotions, they're going to come back and you're going to forget about today's message. And so I want to challenge you to market, to market with people, most of whom you don't know, some of whom you do, and to market by standing and saying this, you don't have to say it orally. I'll have it on the screens. I don't want to spend another season of my life withholding from this I don't care person what God has so generously given me. I don't want to spend another season of my life withholding from that sure I don't care person what God, when he reconciled with me so generously, gave to me. I don't want to do it. 
and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it because it's going to work. I'm doing it in spite of the fact that it may not work. I'm not doing this because of the fact that we're going to get everything worked out. <laughs> I'm doing this in spite of the fact that we may never get it worked out, okay? I may never get my money back. I may never get an apology. I may never get, uh, you know, a retroactive payment <laughs> or income, Ever. I may never get the lawsuit I wanted. I'm doing this because of what it does to me. I'm not going to do this so that it might force them to see my side of the story. This isn't about them correcting. I'm doing this that they may never see my side of the story. I'm doing this because this is what I was created to do. I was created to care. I was not created to say, I've moved on. We've moved on. I don't care anymore. So, this is what our Savior has called us to do, for the love of Christ compels us. If you have, and I want to be really careful here, this, if, don't get overly anxious here, don't overly read this, but if you're experiencing what I did when I heard this message, someone came to mind, and I was in my office all by myself, and I did what I'm going to ask you to do. I stood up, <laughs> and I was embarrassed, and there was no one there. Just a moment, if you have an I don't care person in your life that you sense the Holy Spirit is saying that you're gonna, you need to take a step towards sending a note, telling them that a friend has brought them up and wishes their well-being, placing a phone call, if you've got that person in your life, I want to challenge you right from where you're seated for the love of Christ just to stand up. And let us celebrate your willingness to take a step forward. Just stand right from where you're seated right now. If you have an I don't care person that you sense the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to reach out to. If you've got an I don't care person that you sense the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you go out and you just take a step. Put your hands together for them. Isn't this exciting? Go ahead and remain standing for me as awkward as it is. And let's pray together. Uh, for all of these fantastic, courageous Christians. Heavenly Father, we're overwhelmed by your word has spoken to our hearts this morning. We're overwhelmed by how you just showed us love and reconciliation in spite of our sins, not counting our sins against us. Help us be not counters. Help us be in spite of lovers. And I just pray that you'll give all of these Christians who've said, I'm willing to take the next step. I just ask that you would please help all of these Christians to know what to say, what to do, and how patient and faithful they need to be in this journey towards bringing Jesus hope and reconciliation. In Jesus' name, amen. So proud of you guys. Unbelievable. You can be seated. So proud of you.